Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. This is the show where we share cutting edge strategies in acquiring leads and sales for your business so you can achieve your vision. And today, Kasim, pretty excited because this guy we got on the show today is, I don't know any other word to describe him aside from a firecracker. He's the Serbian firecracker. I don't know. We'll have to figure out like a good name for him, but... Sounds like the bad guy from a Bruce Willis movie. It's like Bruce Willis has been called in to hunt down the Serbian firecracker. Serbian firecracker. Yeah. We're going to be getting into a lot of cool stuff here today. And, and I think airing out some, uh, some gripes along the way is my sense because we can get pretty passionate about this sort of thing, like the mistakes that people are making in their online marketing. And we're pointing our finger directly at you, the crappy agency owner who has been misguiding a lot of businesses that listen to this show, so much so that we are bringing in Ivan on today's show for his unique take on it because he sees a different type of client than maybe we do at Tier 11. Now, the, the reason why I'm bringing on Ivan, we're going to be talking about the five big mistakes that you're probably making in your online marketing. That might be because you have an agency that's running you down the wrong path that we certainly will talk about that quite a bit. Or it's your internal team that maybe you don't have the visibility that you want, or maybe it's you that's doing the marketing right now. So five big things to look out for. And really, these are the five biggest things that I think myself Kasim and Ivan all see, but we see it at different levels and different businesses. And if you can cure these five things, we might even give you a sixth one here on our interview with him. I think you'll really be on the path to scaling and growing your business and ultimately achieving your vision. So make sure that you do watch this on perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. We're on our YouTube channel. Check us out there. So stick around. We're going to get into the interview right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Brandley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. 
And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are here with Ivan, who's been a longtime partner of Tier 11. And like I had mentioned before, if you talk to us originally at Tier 11, we sort of figure out what your assessment is and then utilize a lot of his service as a sister organization to Tier 11. The whole idea is being able to match the problem of your business to the right solution. And Ivan has over 10 years of experience in digital marketing. He's been a partner of ours for four years now. So without further ado, we're going to bring Ivan into the studio here and talk about the five biggest mistakes that most businesses are making in their online marketing. So before we get into it, let's talk about maybe what some of the agencies that we see right now are doing wrong. What are you seeing when they come to you? And I know you have sort of this great analogy about how if you're the third or fourth agency that they've worked with, what it's kind of like and how hard that is. And I think this is a hard road to be on for a lot of businesses because there are so many agencies out there, so many options. But by the time they get to a good agency, sometimes they're so jaded, working with them is really challenging. Tell us a little bit about that. So yeah, uh, most of the time when we talk with companies, they are really stressed out and freaked out because they had really bad experiences before us. So developing a normal relationship after so many bad experiences is becoming more difficult, especially as the cost of everything keep rising. People feel that they don't have anyone to trust and that a smart investment is almost impossible. Well, I think it's not. And that's it. Trust is almost like you are on shaky, shaky ground. So it's, it makes it even more challenging for a really good agency like yours to show its value and show its worth because they're always going to be skeptical because they're scarred. Exactly. And especially like when they get so many emails about like, this is an issue you have or that's an issue. A lot of my clients get the bogus copy and paste email with some issues that don't exist. And then I have to spend a couple of hours showing them that what they got wrote on the email, like it's not there. So even that is becoming a more and more apparent problem in the industry. Dude, that's it. So an agency sales model, there's one really big agency whose name I'm just tempted to say. I'll put it on a shelf for a moment. They <laughs> will call your clients. Like I have a recorded phone call from them saying to one of my clients, your ads are showing up in Egypt. And then I can prove that that's not true. Here's where it gets more interesting. I have a recorded, a recorded phone call between my chief strategy officer, John Moran, and their COO. And their CEO saying, oh, this is so sorry, will never happen again, total mistake, you know, it was a new hire, et cetera, et cetera. 30 days later, happens again. And they're massive. That's what they do is they call up, lie to people saying like, oh, did you know that your ads are showing up wherever they shouldn't be showing up? 
And that's their entire model. And it obviously works because I have two case studies 30 days from each other. And that's the template that they're teaching. Honestly, every day I'm just like, let's make a hit list of all of the agencies we need to offer. Dude, yeah, we should do that. We should just make a list of all the bullshit agencies and all the good agencies will collaborate on it so it's peer reviewed. And you know, hey, just don't do business with these guys. Like whatever you do, you remember, I don't even know if they're still around. Y'all remember Reach Local? Oh yeah, sure. Like dear God in heaven, I mean, the catastrophes they would build. And then the way that they would build their clients and the way they'd lock them into contracts. And then they'd own like their landing page. So they'd own the website, they'd own the landing page, they own the ad account. And if somebody wanted to cancel, it's like, well, we have all your collateral. We'll basically own your business. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to go sell this now to the, the, the dentist across the street. It was a con job. It was racketeering almost. You know, it was like a protection racket. It's crazy. It doesn't look like they're still around. It looks like they got purchased. So you mean I can't go to clutch.co and look up a good agency and just get one there, guys? Yeah. I mean, wh- it's wh- not like those reviews are for sale. Why isn't that a valid place to find an agency if you wanted to hire one? Kasim, care to, <laughs> care to comment well, on that? It wouldn't be that hard to fake that you're somebody. Like they say that they have an interview and I talked with them multiple times. Like, I never invested my time into developing Clutch. And then when they offered us to work with them and develop like this, the incredible lead gen system with them and everything, and I tell them we do not service, even Europe at that point, we didn't service, just the United States. And then they send me two leads from Tunisia and Egypt. And I'm like, fuck off, I'm not going to work with you. Like just instantly just deleted every single contact from them. So that was my experience. That was five years ago. So it's probably better now, but you know. So here we are about what other agencies do. And I think if you're listening to this as a director of marketing or a CMO or even an owner operator, like these are things to be watching out for. One of the most recent examples that I've had is actually a great company with a tremendous vision. And we talk about this a lot now, Kasim on Perpetual Traffic, like they've got it dialed in, but they are locked into an agency that will not allow them to see their ad account, will not give them any insights into what they're doing And they demand from the client, this big $60 million company in a very profitable area that they're growing like a weed. They're on the Inc. 5000 list. It's a great company. It's a great vision. They won't even do the creative. They tell them what to do without any insight as to what's working, what's not working. And they've held them ransom with a 12-month contract that locks them in. And they have zero visibility. We're looking at this saying, first off, this is wrong. It's not right. But thirdly, it's, be illegal. it's really hard for us to assess what they're doing so we could actually say, hey, here's what we were going to do for you because they own the ad account. They own all the assets. They're locked into this agreement and they made this mistake. Unfortunately, that's holding back their business. Now, the other part to this is that they have an entire offline business that's doing extremely well which is great, but their online portion is being hampered. There's a ceiling put on it because of this agency who is diabolical. It's wrong to do it that way. It just pisses me off to think about it because, like I said, they have a really solid business model. They're purpose-driven. And even in spite of that fact, they're still growing like a weed offline, which is great to see. But they're like, you know, we're kind of getting screwed by our agency. What can you do to help? Well, we're putting together a plan for them right now to help them, but we can't get real insights because we can't get access to the ad account. 
we can only sort of give a broad overview of what they're doing based upon their ad library. It's agencies like this that if you're listening to this and you're shopping for one or thinking about one, stay the hell away from them. And specifically the ownership piece. It, exactly. It's like, it doesn't matter if you hire us or anybody that's here on today's show, it's just plain wrong. And that's an old model. And it's a model that the platforms really hate as well, especially Meta. That's the reason why they don't have a partner manager. Their agency is just a scumbag agency. So things to watch out for here. So sorry, Kasim. The only time I'd ever own assets is if I'm the one footing the bill for the ad spend. So for instance, when we did real estate lead generation, it was my money. It's my account. Other than that, it's criminal. Like it's criminal. I'm against long-term contracts, but I totally understand why some agencies choose to do that. And the business model makes sense. That's a paradigm shift. That is what it is, what it is. And there's some agencies that have to, especially when they do a bunch of stuff that isn't performance-based yet. But if you don't own your own IP, your own accounts, your own, the work created, the work product, that's criminal. I can give basically a list to people when they talk to agencies. Like first, what Rolf said, the main thing you need to eliminate is them owning your assets. Then the next thing is, what are they solving? If they just do the media buying, that means that they don't know anything else except that. But another thing is that they're going to always have a conventional scapegoat saying that the website doesn't work, the product doesn't work, or the creatives are bad. So that's one of the reasons why we developed the system that everything is in-house. So when my media buyer has a problem, he directly contacts the developer that can solve it, and we're all under one roof while if you have five different agencies disjointed it's just going to be a nightmare actually sinking getting to a point where you get a really good refined product because it takes too long same goes for the creatives you can imagine how longer it takes if you have an outside partner developing the creatives and then you send them the feedback because we test the creative like four to eight times before we finish testing and those small iterations like it's just a couple of things like a color or a font or something moved around it makes a difference, but if we talk about actually implementing it, it's too complex with multiple teams. If they don't have that, that's another red flag. But the last red flag that I continuously see is that nobody that's a small agency managed to adjust to the iOS 14.5 update. I just see so many agencies not understanding MER, not understanding tracking. Like I talked to a guy that's like, I'm a professional at this and that, and he's like, man, not a single UTM anywhere. Or, for example, exclusions. That's the one thing that you continuously see everywhere. People running campaigns that work for three days and then they die. And I'm like, of course, when you start hitting the same people and over and over again, because the agency doesn't understand how the algorithm works. One of the agencies that contacted me, their current agency is just launching every goddamn day a new campaign because it works for three days and then it dies. So they're just every three days restarting. And that's what they said to me yesterday on the call. And I still can't believe they told me that. Unbelievable. And they don't know why that is. Well, so what was your diagnosis on that one in particular? We're launching a brand new campaign every three days because after three days it dies. Like, What was your diagnosis there? Exclusions. If you don't have exclusions for purchasers, website visitors, or anything else, what's going to happen is that the algorithm is going to focus to the highest chance of conversion, also like known as lowest hanging fruit. So what's going to happen is it's going to continuously start hitting the people that reacted at the start of the campaign. So it's basically going to end up being some kind of weird remarketing campaign. And I saw campaigns that are like wide or broad campaigns that had like five frequency. And I'm like, this is not broad. Dude. Just because you didn't add a remarketing audience doesn't mean that the algorithm is going to listen to your wishes. All right. So let's break that down for a second because that's you bring up a huge point. So you're talking about broad audience targeting. So depending on where you're at, this might be an audience of 200, 300 million, maybe 100 million, like 
big, big, big audiences. And so these guys are launching ads. And here's something for you to look out for. And I'm talking to my directors of marketing, my VPs of marketing, and even the media buyers. Is like if your agency has this going on, this is a huge red flag because all they're doing is spoon feeding you back results. And probably those results look pretty good. But the fact that they have to swap out every three days means that in a broad audience, all the algorithm is doing is going out and finding the people who have previously bought from you, previously opted in, previously landed on your page, the warmest traffic possible. And that's why when we talk about our, our ACC model, the awareness consideration conversion model, which is much broader, where you're actually expanding the market through top of funnel content, you can expand your audiences inside those broad audiences by getting more potential conversion audiences. But the key to all this is the exclusions, is excluding everybody who knows anything about whatever you've ever done. <laughs> and that could be page views, that could be Instagram page visitors, that could be people who have engaged with your videos, that could be custom audiences who have landed on your page. This is leads, this is buyers all time. You got to take them out of your audience. It's not perfect because they always, Facebook especially, will find people who are familiar with your brand in some way that you haven't excluded. It's just the algorithm is that smart. But if you're not doing that as a base level in every single plan, every single growth plan we ever have done, and you probably see this as well, Ivan, is that the previous agency has all those audiences mashed in together and they're getting, oh, look at my ROAS. I'm getting a 6X ROAS. We just did a strategic growth plan for a client who ended up going with another agency. I don't know why because they're idiots. But the point is, is like their current agency was getting a 6X ROAS. And we're like, your first couple of weeks with us? you're probably going to get down to a two. They're like, oh my God, how is that possible? I'm like, well, it's because they're selling to your pre-existing clients. Like we're going to pull out all those people and actually start selling to new customers. And it's going to be painful for your first month. Okay. So, well, what, you, you know, what do you mean? My first month, my first two months, you guys aren't going to be getting me results. I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's the way that it works in new customer acquisition. Because we have to rebuild everything from scratch and undo what your idiot agency was doing prior to this or your idiot team. Now I'm ranting. But at the very least, if you're not doing exclusions, it's a major red flag. Agree, disagree, Ivan? One million percent. We don't normally get Ralph this riled up, Ivan, just so you know, this is... Well, it pisses me off Give me time. because there's 42,000 agencies out there, guys, and most of them are shit. They really are. Unfortunately. Yeah, you know what's sad? Just coming there to defense, most of them are just amateurs. It's not like they're bad people. They're just like, it's a kid in his basement who took a course or a guy who lost his job and is trying to figure something out. And man, does my heart go out to him. But like, don't tell people you can do stuff you can't do, especially when to a point that Ivan made during the pre-record, like media buying used to be something you could learn in a weekend. Truly. It's triple PhD shit now. You can't step up and be like, yeah, I can do heart surgery. You know, like that's murder. Do a weekend class on, uh, yeah, thoracic surgery. Yeah, that's that's fine. I could do that. So it's it's just gotten so much more complex. But the educators in the space and this and the narrative that we've sold doesn't hasn't necessarily caught up to that. The barrier to entry is less than zero. And a guy once that I met at a conference, literally, it was three three months ago. Is this that Meta Performance Summit? 
So like he, he came up to me, he's like, I hadn't met him. He's heard me talking to somebody else. At that point in time, he hadn't really watched any of our YouTube videos, but he recognized who I was. He's like, hey, you're Ralph Burns from Perpetual Traffic. I'm like, yeah. He's like, thank you so much. You're the podcast that has launched a thousand agencies. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, we're partially Sorry. responsible for it to a certain degree. Well, dude, you invented the modern Facebook agency. That was the your modern fault. Facebook agency. Yes, modern Facebook agency is, is Tier Eleven's template. Well, it's me, Kurt Molly. I don't know what he's doing these days. Haven't talked to him in a while. And Jason Horning. Like it was the three of us. I will give joint credit to. We were the first three. So the Facebook catastrophe, ad the Frankenstein that you created, and now everybody thinks Drones. they can do it, but. The point is, is like, that's fine because I think a lot of people have started agencies to escape the corporate life and all the other sorts of things. That's fine. I get that. You got to make ends meet. But for a business owner, it means there's 40,000 agencies out there that absolutely suck because they do all this stuff and we see it every single day. Ivan, you see it. I know we work very, very closely together. You're the one agency that we actually work with. Where we're like, hey, if you're a regional, local, or a smaller business... Ivan's your guy and come through us first and then we'll go to Ivan because you guys get it. But so few agencies do it. Same thing on the Google side. If somebody is coming, you know, for really high level Google strategy, we go to solutions eight. I can give you an example for a Google red flag. Like Google gives you like account optimization score up to hundred <laughs> percent. If you have hundred percent, you're doing <laughs> something wrong. <laughs> yeah. But like every goddamn day, they're like, we are not sure if our Google agency is doing a job. And like it's 30% optimi optimized by Google stands. And I'm like, it's there. Like you can check your own agency, just educate yourself a little tiny bit. And then if you're working with somebody bad, it's just going to start crumbling around them. So I think it's a double whammy that's the problem. Lack of knowledge in the average person running the company regarding the digital side of the ads. And then the other side being all of the people that dropped the course for $99.95 during COVID for media buying and Facebook ads. So what's the aside from the exclusion part to it, what's the biggest mistake you see businesses making right now? When you talk to them about an audit, doing a growth plan, like what, aside from that, like we all see that. I see traffic typically, if I'm just looking at it from the meta side, the biggest mistake is traffic is all mashed together. They don't break it out. I mean, yeah, the algorithm is getting smarter so that it can actually break out individual pieces of content depending on where they are on the customer acquisition path. Whether they've watched a percentage of your video, whether they've opted in, whether they visited your site, whether they've added to cart, whether you know they've gone to the checkout, like all that. Yes, you can splice that up and create content for each individual part of the customer acquisition path. That's one of the things we see. Exclusions are a huge part of that. So let's take that out of the equation. What's the biggest mistake that you see business owners making, especially when it comes to paid media? So UTM and server-side tracking is something that we continuously see as a problem. And those two you can find both on Shopify and like Google Analytics and everybody else. Like it's all free online to learn. So you can imagine that a lot of people like after the iOS update just don't see any sales. So a lot of the times that the sales are coming in from a campaign. But because they don't have UTMs and server side, it shows zero in the Facebook's ads panel. So they're keeping they're continuously turning off really winning ads. And overall, Facebook is now massively underreporting their results. So if you don't have that setup, you're flying blind. And most people are just like, okay, this is how it's that's the new reality. And it's not. It's just the lack of them actually sitting down and doing homework. That's one example. And then regarding how you do your performance reviews. 
you have to do them weekly. I've been talking to agencies after agencies, and they all do like a monthly report. And all I'm just going to be straightforward. Before we met Ralph and before we were a part of the training he provided to us, we were doing a monthly report as well. And the clients were getting pissed off because they weren't sure what we were doing or why. But now that for the last three years, we've been doing the weekly report system. It just became a much smoother experience for both sides. So... Overall, tracking, measuring, testing, those are the things. Everybody wants to be an influencer marketing agency after TikTok dropped because like, it, it looks simpler and easier. And they think that if they just get the viral ad, that's all done. But what after that? We worked with a huge company called My Intent that had Kanye West on the magazine. I forgot what, I think the New York Times or something like that, the man of the year. So you can imagine they started getting a flood of people buying their products, but a lot of different issues, tracking, overlap, not enough exclusions. And it was only the poor business owner doing everything. So it's no no wonder he had everywhere holes because he couldn't do it himself. But at one point when the big Kanye moment started dropping off, all of a sudden they became unprofitable with $250,000 of ad spend a month because of things like that. No kidding. One of the worst things that can happen to a business is massive spikes in success when they don't have visibility. They don't have the ability to determine where it's coming from because you scale up in order to fulfill those spikes. And scaling up is a dangerous prospect in business regardless of what's going on. But you scale up fulfillment or service or, you know, whatever. And then now that you've scaled up, you need to continue that. But you don't know which of your levers worked. It's this horrible situation where you're going to do the same thing you just did, which is just throw a bunch of money at everything. And then it works, but you don't know which lever is working. And then you scale up again. And when you finally get to a position where, okay, we've scaled, but now we need to be profitable, you have no idea how to cut in. It's a near impossibility to go figure that out. Like you can't unscramble those scrambled eggs. Exactly. And one thing I would point out is with the stock market, it's easy to be winning when it's a bull market, when everybody's winning. And of course, when COVID was there and even before COVID, the economies were strong. There was a lot of money being thrown around for COVID. I mean, I want to challenge you. I lose money in bull markets all the time. I've lost money. (laughs) (laughs) I would surprise you at my phenomenal adeptness to lose money regardless of the market. How about bubble markets? Yeah, well, bubble markets. Yeah. Dude, are there's no, there's no market lose. I can't lose money. I, I'm a miracle whiz kid. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. But I meant towards all of the people that were acting that they knew something when they weren't. Right. It is true. 100%. Like, I, it, we lose all. Like We test and lose nonstop, but we learn. That's the main difference. I think communicating that, and I'm going to put this as point number four, is... Like that's related to the weekly report. Like we talked about all the things to watch out for when it comes to your agency. And then specifically things like exclusions is number one. This is a mistake most companies make. So that's our biggest one. Number two is I don't want to gloss over it because it's an important point is server side tracking UTMs for us, absolute standard of care before we even apply any third party tracking is conversions API. Exactly. So if you are not doing that, and I think that this was your second point, I just think it's important for people to understand this. We just got off a call with Meta last Thursday, and they gave us a scorecard on like how we're doing. And I'm not on here to brag, but I told the company six months ago, I said, every customer of ours is going to have conversions API because all it does is it helps our visibility and the optimization inside the Meta account. And we have a 100% conversion rate on conversions API, meaning 100% of our customers are on Cappy. And then she showed us versus the rest of the industry versus the rest of 
agencies, it was like 40%. Wait, 40% of agencies have their customers on or 40% of customers? 40% of the agencies that she deals with versus us have conversions API. I'll have to double check the number. It was a lower number. It was below 50%, meaning they're not even using that. And yeah, it's like less than half of people want to know the truth. Right. It's like they're not even doing sort of the base level, which from an optimization reporting and day-to-day management standpoint is table stakes when it comes to beta ads right now. There's no doubt about it. Having that and then having good hygienics on your UTM parameters, like old school UTM parameters, I think is also table stakes. And we see that all the time in all of our audits. It's like, where are your UTMs? And it's easy to do. There is a reason why Matt added the setup option. Like it's one button for you to go through all of your UTMs in a second. Why did Meta do that if it's not important? It is important. And Meta shows you that through their actions. It's crazy. So that's number two. Number three is the weekly report, which is really is just sort of keeping in touch with what's going on. Like your internal team, forget about the agency side just for a second here. If you're a CMO or a director of marketing, you should have your internal team be giving you a weekly report on your spend, how things are going. I mean, obviously you're the person in charge, I would have to think that that would be at least table stakes or just like bare minimum for any internal business. But for a lot of companies, like the company that we're auditing for the $60 million brand, they have a monthly report. That's all they get. So in between then, no communication, no back and forth, no telling them, hey, we tried this, we're going to try this. Somebody once told me that it doesn't matter if you succeed it matters to me that you're always trying to figure out what worked, what didn't work to get to that next level of test so that you ultimately will succeed. And I think a lot of agencies fall down there. They're afraid to admit their mistakes, not even their mistakes, just the stuff that doesn't work. But I think that is really, really important to communicate back. It gives transparency. It's the right thing to do. But it also tells like, hey, you know, we're not going to succeed on all of our ads. And, you know, Ivan, I always say, like, if you're failing 70% of the time in this business, you're actually doing pretty well. You're 20% better than most people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you absolutely are. So communicating that, but learning from it, hey, you know, we did this test, it didn't work out, here's what we learned, and here's what we're going to do next. Customers want that. And that is usually communicated through a weekly report. Exactly, 100%. So what else? What are the other mistakes that you're seeing right now from your perspective? We've got those big three. So an easy moneymaker for most brands is going to be combining email and text messages. One thing that we added a year and a half ago, and we managed to build a partnership and then acquisition with an agency that was just two people that did email and text messages. So you can imagine that most people are focusing everything towards email collection. So most pop-ups on the website is going to ask for your email, but then Think about your Facebook ad account. That email that you use to sign up for stuff is for sure, like 99% sure that it's not the email you use on Facebook because Facebook spammed you until you stopped using that email. That's the story for almost everybody. So you can imagine that people continuously upload those CSV files to the custom audiences, and then it's only like a 30% match rate. And they're all like, oh my God, why is that? Well, just use phone number is going to be 90% because your phone number is the one thing you need for two-factor. So if you don't have the right phone number, you're not in that Facebook account. Yep. It's a major point right there. Say that one again, actually, for the audience, because I don't know as if people realize that 
but the capturing of the phone number. I know you do this almost exclusively, especially even on e-commerce, which is really, really cool. Exactly. Yeah. So state that one again. So the main thing is actually matching the data in Facebook's database. If you get data that Facebook doesn't have, you're not going to match it. So when you're collecting phone numbers, you're going to have a 90% chance or even more some cases to match with what Facebook has in the database because of the two-factor authentication. While if you just use the emails that they have, the chance of them actually being the right target is next to impossible. Especially if you're doing B2B or Legion. Most people are going to use a business email. Like if you don't use for Facebook your email, Ralph, right? Because it doesn't make any sense. It just gets pumped. So that's one thing. But another thing is that the email is continuously losing its power. Less and less people are opening it. And by the year, it's just eroding. Like there are people that are still killing it with it. And it is old, but gold and all of that. But when you think about it, the average industry operate is 10% while text messages are 90%. So what we did is we just combined text messages and email, so we keep top of mind. And then I actually we saw that when we start doing text messages, people start opening emails because it ends up who knows where. And it, like you can imagine Gmail has like those four columns now, like the inbox and promotional suggest. I don't even understand what's the difference between them. I just know that I now need to check four different inboxes. Yeah, so you do both. I mean, don't forget about email. Email is still important. <laughs> but if you're relying on it exclusively, SMS is, you should absolutely, be capturing that so what's the mechanism for doing that do you do that like let's say i'm selling an e-commerce product i'm selling a physical product either i try to bounce off the site or maybe a card abandoned or like where is the email and or the sms going to be implemented what's the strategy there that people can deploy so it's really going to depend on the overall bigger picture strategy. Some businesses can get away a discount, others can't. So it really depends on how you're going to attract the person. But overall, I just think that when you're asking for an email, ask for a phone number, and that's it. Don't just do one or the other. You have to do both. What's interesting about that, most browsers, including mobile now, pre-populate. And so if you're asking for an email and already plan on giving you my email, if my phone number pre-populates and I'd say that it, you know, just guessing does for 51% or more of people, right? Like the majority of people, it's harder for me not to give you my phone number now because I have to go in and delete it. And so if you've earned enough trust for me to give you my email, I'm just going to hit submit because I'm like, all right, dude, you've got it anyway. I know I can opt out of SMS anytime. I'm more likely to opt into an SMS request because SMS filters are so much more reliable. Like if I say stop on an SMS, I never get it again. I don't know about you guys. On email, there's so many people I've sent to spam for 30 years. And for whatever reason, they're still landing in my inbox. Even when you message them directly, you still get the messages. It's, it's just unstoppable at some point. You have to actually keep on changing your email address. Right. So make both compulsory is what you're saying. Exactly. Email and phone. That's just a minimum. We work with a fair bit of brands. And for example, the leather brand that we just started talking to, Ralph, they had before, like whenever they drop something, they just sell out and they don't do text message marketing. And you saw that there's a lot of different brands. I think it was Kylie Jenner and Supreme that did like those drops that were limited edition. So you develop scarcity, but the best way to advertise scarcity is going to be the text message because you don't wait to respond to text message. Like maybe, but like most people don't. So combining that with a couple of different scarcities is one option. Another option I like is also offering limited special discounts for people that give the phone number. So yes, I'm going to give you a little bit of a better deal compared to everybody else, especially if something's limited time. 
then they go to text message. Yeah, I saw somebody do a flash sale opt-in. They said, hey, thanks so much for opting in. And incidentally, we do a flash sale once a week or once a month or whatever it was, but it only goes out via SMS because emails just sit forever. And that's a really good, you need a reason. Anytime you're going to provide any level of scarcity, the scarcity has to be real. Otherwise, it just pisses me off. And that's real. It'd be like, yeah, of course, a flash sale would be text-based. But it's urgency and scarcity together. That's why you need to do the text messages because they're faster to deliver directly to your eyes. Like you're going to react faster to that. Well, anybody who's already doing email well, here's what's funny. And tell me if you guys have had this experience. For my clients that are doing email well, they actually get more fatigued at the prospect of adding SMS because they're like, man, I already figured out a model. Why am I going to go change what's working? And in my mind, it's like, you're not. You're actually 10 steps ahead of the process. Do the exact same thing. Just make the word smaller. You know, I like, just look at this panel, more firepower. I think people are worried, and this is a, a scary thing, and we just did a case study on this, is that they're worried if they actually do add in SMS, they might sabotage that email side of the equation. We just did the case study here on the show where we showed that basically for every lead that we capture for this company, turns into $1,500 of revenue. It mostly happens through email. So... That's a great scenario, but I know a lot of business owners would be like, ooh, I don't know if I want to do SMS because my email is working so well. That's a great position to be in. It's not an either or because it's an and, you know? Yep. Yep. I just wanted to add one other thing that there's a lot of agencies that are just doing either like Shopify or email or SMS. And the main issue is, again, it's all disjointed. And I'm going to give you an example. 2019, we just started working with Bear Performance Nutrition. It's led by Nick Bear, who is a monster like on YouTube. And he's just insane. Like, he's a really good business guy. But we had one goal from him, and that's one return on ad spend for prospecting. And he doesn't give a fuck about anything else. Like Either that or you're gone. And I'm like, okay, but we have a major issue because anyone that lands on your website gets 10% off on the first purchase. So how am I going to get the money from that? Like, dude, think about it. And he disregarded us for the first two months. So we ended up actually having to point out that the email pop-up was actually stealing all of the sales because in order for them to get a discount like that, they have to open their email and click to a new link that doesn't have the tracking info from Facebook. And so we ended up actually developing a system where we track the amount of people that ended up being in that email. And I see a lot of businesses with pop-ups not tracking the lead event to the pop-up. So that's value still brought by the ad to your business. You need to track those secondary conversions. And in his case, we had like two different measurements for desktop and mobile. And it ended up being 70 to 80% of the people that signed up to the email became a purchaser. And then through that, we managed to show him that we were way above one ROS. But at the end, he didn't care. So, didn't matter. Yeah. 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 But we managed to solve that for them. So, as your fifth and final tip here is that track everything along the entire conversion path, like not just purchases, but leads, and see how that actually flows through to create customers in the end. Exactly. Everybody has their own speed. Some people are just going to come right away and buy. And that's a person that might just have so much money, they don't care. And then you might have a person that like is his last dollar and he's thinking about what he's going to do. And of course, he's going to think a bit longer. And another thing that they wanted to point out, it's 100% the whole world is in a recession. We're all having less and less money. So that's like, again, the, the between the bull market and the regular market. It's getting harder to get the sale. People are spending less and people are thinking more before they buy. 
So the main thing is showing them all of the information they need. I can add a sixth one if you want. And that's most businesses don't have any trust signs, trust symbols, guarantees, nothing. So they have this amazing, organic, natural product, and it's all like written in a blob of text. So that's not going to be cut. You need to have really good visual elements like icons, visual aids, things like that. Another option is guarantees, like 100% money back guarantee, no questions asked. A lot of businesses have that, but it's on the shipping policy. And it sounds stupid when they said that they don't use their biggest benefits on the product pages and everything, because for some reason they think that the person is going to do the research themselves. Well, we all know it's not the case. They're just going to go to the other guy that posted a a nice picture where it says organic. What a good example of a guarantee be. So a lot of the clothing companies offer free shipping on the returns as well. Dude, free shipping is already hard enough. Free shipping and free returns is insane. I think about that from a business owner's perspective. It's like, how on earth do you do that? And here's what's crazy is I take people up on it. I'll order like if I'm shopping for clothes online, I'll order three knowing I'm going to keep one. And I can't be the only person doing that. So to the point that Ivan's making, like if you have those crazy offers, make them front and center. Don't hide them behind whatever it is that you're hiding things like that behind. It's the Warby Parker model, really. So I want to thank you all for listening this week. Make sure if you ever do want to utilize the services of Ivan and his team, head on over to tier11.com forward slash chat or just tier11.com. Hit the big pink button, fill out the application, and we will figure out what the next best step is for you as far as just your needs assessment. And whether that involves Ivan and his services or whether it's you know full up tier 11, sort of depends on where you're at with your business. So check that out over at tier 11 dot com and thank you for listening this week make sure you subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're listening and let us know what we can do better over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better check out me on linkedin and kasim over on all his socials he's at kasim aslam and go back and listen to previous episodes and we will certainly leave links in the show notes here to our Perpetual Traffic YouTube channel. That's perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube, as well as all the links and the resources that we mentioned in this week's show are at perpetualtraffic.com. So on behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam, peace. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 